What's up guys, Big Lou here with another episode of NGFE Radio. The one-on-one series tonight's special guest is the one and only Scott McLean, uh, the owner of Call the Creation. We'll pretty much just chit-chat about uh, how he got into professional photography, um, working for companies like Pinkbike, being the exclusive photographer for California Enduro Series, working for companies like KHS, caliber riders like Aaron Gwynn, and just break it down to uh, to life and bikes, man. He's a good guy. He's at all these races, putting a lot of hard work and effort, you know, to, to get the best shot he can for, for the racers and for the series. And uh, also what it's like to uh, put everything down on paper, you know, from your head down to paper and, and then just getting the right story and uh, conveying it to the audience in a way where people get hyped on mountain bikes and racing. Uh, you guys can follow us on Instagram, NGFE underscore radio, on Facebook, NGFE radio. Give us a like, give us a follow um, as we continue to put out great content, great stories for you guys. Uh, enjoy the show. Big Lou, out. What's up, guys? Big Lou here with another episode of NGFE radio, the one-on-one series. Tonight's guest, Scott McLean, owner of Call the Creation. Scott, welcome to the show. What's up, Big Lou? How you doing, my brother? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, man, let's get to it. Who is this elusive Scott McLean? Well, I was born um, 1977 in Torrance, California, um, to a single mom. Um, dad bailed out, and I was raised as an only child uh, until the age of 12 when my, met, my mom met my stepdad. And then I had a stepbrother and... Um, yeah, I just kind of went from there. We moved to Long Beach, and I went to the Paramount Unified School District for junior high and high school um, for the first year of high school, and it was kind of rough. The Paramount Unified School dif- District kind of borders Compton, so as a white dude, I wasn't the majority. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Did you uh, try fitting in by uh, some corn rolls and breadlocks or something, trying to fit in or what? <laughs> what is it, like Malibu's Most Wanted or what? <laughs> no, nah, man. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I could dance, though. I could okay. dance. I definitely learned how to dance pretty quick. Um, Getting jiggy with it. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, but, you know, it was it was cool. Um, and then, like, my freshman year of high school was when they had the Rodney King rights. And things got pretty crazy at high school. And, um, and then my mom decided to pull me out of there. And then I finished uh, high school in 95 from Cerritos High. Um, and it was a good time. And then, uh, then shortly after high school, my mom kicked me out and you got to go, son, I got to go. And then she was like, you know, not really happy with what I was doing with my life, which really honestly wasn't much of anything. I wasn't going to college. I was working like two part-time jobs at fast food restaurants. And, uh, so I ended up homeless in a park for a couple months, um, in Lakewood, a park called Mayfair Park. And Scott Bauman was the director at the time. And he told me that I could stay in the showers because I used to volunteer at the park. Um, So there was some, like, a shower locker room underneath the bleachers of the main main baseball diamond. And that's where I stayed, and I slept there. And the maintenance director would wake me up at, like, 4.30 in the morning and um, knock on the door and tell me to move out. And then... Come back later. Basically, you would go out, go, yeah, go back to sleep out on the bench in, in the park and sleep until Damn. whenever I could stand it and then go back 
later on that night, right before the park closed, and do it all over again, man. So when while you were homeless, were you working, or what were you doing? So, yeah, while I was homeless, um, I had, like, a part-time job at Subway, and then I was trying to get a job with the city, um, so, you know, working at the park that I was trying to work at, uh, or living at the park I was trying to work at, um, and... Yeah, ultimately, I ended up getting, like, a part-time job as a referee for the city. Cool. But it didn't really pan out, and um, I wasn't really on board with staying in the park uh, for much longer. And then just God put the right people in my in my life, and um, I got out of there and, and into, uh, into kind of a career path in security right after that. Mall cop. Yep. And... Um, Mall cops are, are what's up, dude. Those guys work hard, and they get paid very little. Trust me, I know from experience. And they take a lot of crap from a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, and then I met my wife, Melody, um, shortly after that. Um, she was out on winter break from college, and my godparents were like, hey, we heard you're having a hard time. Why don't you come and hang out with us for a weekend? We're going to go to Joshua Tree and have a campground or a camp out. And uh, they didn't tell me that Melody was coming, and I had met melody once like before in passing but she lived in flagstaff um arizona for her last year of high school and then in college she went to new york so we weren't really able to reconnect and then on the way back out to the to the camp um ground they told me she was coming i was like that's cool you know um but like as a dude that was like literally bouncing around at that time i was living in a dude's closet in like a in an in an apartment in anaheim like literally a closet like literally his walk-in oh. closet because he had like he had a friend that was staying in one bedroom and they had a dude living on the ca- sleeping on the couch and then he was in the other bedroom so they couldn't add like legally couldn't add another person to the lease so he was like well you could stay with us but the only space i really have that's you know semi-private is my walk-in closet so i just yeah dude I, a walk-in closet was better than the showers at the park so i took it wow that's that's gotta be rough. It wasn't that bad, dude. I mean, people. I think people have this misconception about like, you know, what. It really makes you grow fast. It makes you mature quickly. Um, it, it's a like a rude awakening, right? That people talk about, and that's kind of was it. You know, that's what it was for me. Um, but when I met Melody, I was like, dude, I'm living in a dude's closet in Anaheim. I got like basically no real job. And she was a brain and cognitive science major um, on a fair amount of scholarships because she's pretty smart coming out of high school at a private university in New York. I'm like, she's gonna not, she's not gonna want anything to do with me, bro. And out of your league, yeah, way out of my <laughs> league. And she was hot, so I had like virtually no chance. And so how'd you do it, man? Dude, I don't even know, man. We could, like, I, that, that could be a whole segment, I think, to be honest. But, like, in the short, basically, we just really connected that weekend. And then I found out, like, at the end of the weekend, I was like, so are you going back to school? And she's like, no, actually, I'm going to my dad's house. And her dad stayed in Long Beach. And um, she was going to hang out with him for the rest of the winter break. And she was like, you should come and hang out. And so then, yeah, I rode back home with our my godparents um, and then, you know, the rest is kind of history. From there, we started dating, and that summer we got engaged, and I lost my job doing security, um, working at a mall, ironically, and um, they fired me, 
um, for some nonsense, and I was just like, all right, well, this must just be a sign, so I, like, was at home, and I usually work swing shift, and she got home, and she was like, why are you home, and I'm like, because I got fired today, and she was like, oh, and I was like, but, like, I tell you what, like, if you can give me, like, 1500 bucks, I think I can make it to New York in my grandma's car. My grandma had gave me a 1976 Ford Granada um, oh, man. before she passed away. And it was like, you know, it was pretty clapped out. Like, I'm not even going to lie. But it was a V8, and, but it was carbureted. Was it like National Lampoon's Vacation? Dude, it was. <laughs> I stacked up that car with everything I owned, which wasn't much. And, like, I had enough space, if you could visualize it. It was a front bench seat in a 70s car. Which is pretty rumor. You can lay fat across they're like, that. They're like big boats, dude. Pretty much. <laughs> but then, like, the front section, basically from, like, the center console to the driver's window was the only open space in the whole car. Mm-hmm. So I drove out, like, to my mother-in-law's house on the 40. She was living in Flagstaff. I stopped there. Met up with some other dude that was moving to, like, New Mexico. Drove with him to New Mexico. And then after New Mexico, I was kind of on my own. That's a long stretch because I've I've driven that. Yeah. From Mex- you know when you get to uh, uh, El Paso, uh, and then uh, through all of Texas. I mean that's a that's a long drive by yourself, dude. That's, yeah, we didn't take the nuts. ten. We took the forty. Oh, the so, forty. So you're on top. So I was up higher, and like it's even more remote up there, right? Like you go through Gallup, and then I hit I hit Albuquerque, and my car just died, and I'm like, what is going on with my car? So I called up Melody's dad, who is a mechanic. Um, and has been for a long time. And I was like, hey, I was like, Mark, I need your help. I don't know what's going on in my car. And he's like, well, where are you? And I'm like, Albuquerque. And he's like, what's the elevation? And I'm like, hi. And he's like, oh, you just need to adjust your carburetor screw. And like told me how to fix it over the phone. And then I fixed it and then... Fired back up? Yeah, dude. And then it worked and I got the rest of the way. And then like that, it was a California edition. So it had no heater and no, no air conditioning. Oh, boy. So that winter... Uh, we sold it to like this Ford collector in New York that paid me like, I don't know, 700 bucks for it or something like that. Uh-huh. And was like, does this the original exhaust? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, wow, I'll take it. And that's like all it took for them because of the corrosion and the salt and whatnot during the winters. Huh. Um, and then I was doing security out there and, and it was pretty cold. And um, that that year, uh, 98, we got married and uh, we bought our first car together. It was a 98 Pontiac Sunfire. It was purple. Uh, we called it the Purple People Eater. Um, <laughs> it was pretty legit. It was a two-door coupe, and uh, we had just enough money for the down payment, and the payment for, like, the lease was, like, under 200 bucks, and we're like, let's do it. Because mm-hmm. I was riding my bike in the snow um, for a midnight graveyard shift working for a pharmaceutical company doing security for them. Damn. Um, and it was like... That's rough. It was sub-zeros for sure Yeah. during the winter. And I just told Melody, I was like, I don't think I could do this anymore. Like, physically, I don't think I could do this anymore. So, um, and then uh, she graduated in 2000, and we moved back to Cali. Um, and from then, it's just kind of been bouncing around. I've had so many jobs that would make your head spin. I've worked for pretty much you name it, I've probably worked in the industry. But um, ultimately, just kind of settled into security, and I had been doing that for a really long time. So how did you get into uh, photography? Yeah, so um, from from doing security, um, I got I was doing uh, I was a security director for a twelve man team in Irvine um, at Shady Canyon, which is a gated community and also a country club in Irvine, um, and really mm-hmm. high end clientele, really high end homes, 
the the least expensive home at the time was four million, and the most expensive was about forty million dollars. Forty million. Forty million. Damn. And you had some ballers there, um, like um, Mark McGuire lived there at the time. I don't think he's there anymore. Um, yeah, like Garrett Anderson from the Angels was there. Um, Chris Pronger from the Ducks. Um, you know, so this is you know this is a while back. Um, but then in 2011, I lost my job, and they they fired me after I had meningitis, and I was like literally on my deathbed, and survived it, and then had like five weeks off to recover. That the doctor was like, "You can't go to work yet. You're not ready to go." I got back, and like two weeks later, they fired me, and they're like, "Your attendance is terrible." And I'm like, "Well, what do you want? I'm sick. I was sick. I was like literally dying." Damn, it's cold blooded. It was cold blooded, man, and. Um, so I was bummed out, man, because I was—I really felt like I, that was my spot. I really felt like security was what I was supposed to be doing. And uh, so then my buddy hits me up. He's like, "Hey, let's go out to Utah." And went out to Utah, and I brought like a little DSLR camera with me, like my first digital camera. It was actually my first real SLR camera I've ever owned. And I just shot some photos in Arches National Park. And uh, my friend's mom was a published photographer. And she was like, hey, I really, I really think you got some talent. I think you have, you could go somewhere with this. And I was like, oh, you're just saying that because I'm like bummed out about losing my job. And she's like, no, I really, I really think you could, you know. And, um, and that night I read like this Bible study, uh, this devotional from Rick Warren. And the study um, topic was about um, changing careers. And just kind of took that as a sign. And um, I really just feel like, you know, I prayed about it and talked to Melody about it, and she was on board to let me give it a try. And um, yeah, man, so that's kind of how I got into photography. It was just truly a calling, which is hence the name "Called to Creation." That was just kind of something God put on my heart. So, but I mean, from just taking pictures and having talent to starting a company, I mean, that's a pretty big step, right? Totally agree. Yeah, for sure. I think you know having the support of Melody and and not really at the time not really necessarily needing a, a substantial income um because she at the time she was the director of hr for a large company um and they've progressively been taking care of her and now she's the vice president of, of human resources for the company um still at the same spot and so that's just kind of allowed me the freedom both financially and schedule wise to be able to go out and build a business because when you're like doing it by yourself I mean, I, I, you know, I say I do it by myself, but it's really not. You know, I really feel like God, it, God plays a plan in it for sure. And Melody definitely has been a large part of it in the last couple of years coming out to shoot with me. But but I still do the marketing myself, the social media myself, the content management myself, the website myself, all the sales and customer service and kind of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I fall through on my own. So it really is like it's a labor of love because you don't. I'm not making a killing. You know, I think a lot of people see the van, they see the bikes we ride, and what they don't realize is that the majority of that is being subsidized by my wife's income. It's not really... Call the creation is not killing it. Call the creation is not buying a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just uh, it's just a tool, really. Right. So, yeah, man, that's kind of... that's. I think that's the gist of how the, how the business got built. But I will say that the probably a really key player was a dude named Fred Williams. Shout out to Fred. Um, Fred Williams introduced me to Joe Lawwell from Shimano um, shortly after I started the company. So the, the company was birthed on June 1st, 2011. And that 
winter series in Fontana, 2012, January of 2012, Fred introduced me to Joe Lawwell, and Joe was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take a look at your stuff, send me over some stuff, and I sent him over some stuff, and I was totally not expecting, like, me being six months into shooting photography, essentially, that I would have the talent that they were looking for, mm -hmm. and just... Because it's a big company. They're huge, right? They could pick anyway. Yeah. They don't need to pick some small dude that's just getting started, but... Right. Um, Joe said he really liked my work and wanted to know, you know, what it would cost Shimano to do the rest of the season. And um, that led to exposure on Pink Bike because they were the title sponsor. So they were putting out articles every every round using my photo content for those articles. And um, yeah, shout out to Lawwell because I really feel like Joe Lawwell was very instrumental in terms of being my first true client. Mm -hmm. And they still use me today. I still get work with them. Um, in fact, I think. Um, fingers crossed Joe Lawwell hires me to come out to uh, Crankworks. Oh, wow. When is that? Crankworks is the uh, end of August, I believe. That's in Whistler? Yeah, Crankworks, Whistler. Nice, nice. Yep. So, <clears throat> how'd you get into um, running content for Pinkbike? So, Pinkbike came along kind of, I think, like, uh, the jump start for me was I got a call from a guy named Evan Turpin. And Evan Turpin was running the China Peak Enduro. You guys were there that year. That yep. year. Yeah, I think we all rode up together. Yeah, I think we did because it was like we're keeping it on the cheap. Yeah. And uh, That's when you had your Silverado. Yeah, that's when I had my Silverado. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and so Turpin uh, hit me up and he said, hey, I talked to this guy named Steve-O from Shimano. And if you guys don't know Steve-O, Steven Partita is his actual name. And Steven um, knew me from shooting the stuff at Fontana because he was a tech rep for Shimano at the time. And... Um, Stoked for him because he just got hired to work for NASA. Wow. Um, which is rad because that's, you know, his kind of area of expertise is aeronautical engineering stuff. And so he, he connected me with Turpin and Turpin hired me. And then um, he was really happy with the photo content that I put out from China Peak that first year. He connected me with uh, Stephen and Megan Gemelos um, to do the Santa Cruz Super Enduro, which was the next major Enduro in California after the China Peak one that year. And... Steven and Megan were really happy, and they asked me how much to do the whole season the following year for the California Enduro Series. That was the first year that they actually created California Enduro Series? I CES. believe so. Okay. I believe so, yeah. I, be I believe prior to that, it was very just kind of... Sporadic? Um, sporadic, and, and I'm going to say, like, kind of piecemealed together. Mm -hmm. It was it was just kind of like, you know, hey, let's do this, hey, let's do that. Um, but they, like, um, this year is their fifth year, so... I mean, if to, if this year is 17, then I would say they started in 12. Um, so, yeah, and I started my company in 11. So the timing seems about right, but I'm not 100% sure. But now California Enduro Series is my largest client. Like, wow. without them, I don't think I could continue to operate. Really? Financially. Um, they've come a long way. I mean, obviously, you're saying 2012 to 2017. Right. You know, we, we've been doing them since day one. Yeah. So, you know, it's changed a lot. It's progressed a lot. Um, but how'd you get into Pinkbike? I mean, was that, is that the reason that you got into Pinkbike, writing articles and, like, actually being a staffer at Pinkbike? Right. Are you a staffer? Or, I mean, what's your position at Pinkbike? My position at Pinkbike is still a freelance guy. Okay. I'm not on staff with them. I do get commission letters um, that are, like, official assignments from them. Um, but I wouldn't consider myself a staff guy yet. Ultimately, that's where I'd like to get. Okay. But how I got there, I think it's a combination of the exposure from um, Fontana's with Joe Lawwell um, and the CES series stuff, 
Um, and then I think uh, two years ago, I want to say, uh, was the first year they hit me up and said, hey, we need someone to cover the entire Fontana Winter Series. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to do that? And uh, until then, uh, they had Dan Severson doing it. Um, and shout out to Severson. Um, thanks for the opportunity, bro. He took a full-time position with Troy Lee. So wow, he, good for he, him. Yeah, he didn't really have the opportunity to, the free time to go in and, and work the Fontana Winter Series anymore. Yeah. Um, so I kind of stepped into that position. Um, and then um, last year, um, after doing the Fontana, Fontana Winter Series for the whole season again, and even a couple of the Nevada State Series out of bootleg mm-hmm. um, for Pink Bike, I asked them if I could come in and work for them for free at Sea Otter. I just wanted to get like a real uh, big event experience. Right. And they were on board with it. And I just told them, you know, I don't, I'm not even going to charge you. I don't even want money. I just want to be able to shout out one of the best dudes. And I've always kind of looked up to Colin Meager. Shout out to Colin. Um, that dude does amazing photo work. He does great article content. Um, he takes his job very seriously. And... Um, that's me. That's kind of my mindset is like, you know, I don't want to play. I, I'm here to do a job. Yeah, I, I've seen you out at the races, man. It's a long day. It's hot. China Peak, you know, for example, you're like, hey, Scott. Hey, <laughs> yeah. you're all focused. You know what I mean? You're like tired. You know, you've been up and down the mountain several times. And, uh, you know, you, just want, you need to get the shots done. You know, you need to get the edits done. So I think for after that, you know, you kind of disappear into your van and you start put it in work right for sure like a great a great example was sea otter um this year so last year i volunteered for them and worked over with colin this year they had a couple of of main uh key folks drop out and so they had a kind of an opening that they were looking to fill so colin and i worked sea otter together by ourselves pretty much on the race coverage side so i did the pump track invitational full article on my own both the photos and the content the actual copy um, and then same thing for the downhill. And is that the biggest, like the biggest event you've covered so far in your career? I would say yes, because it gets international exposure. Yeah. Um, I agree. For so sure. for sure. And it was, it was, uh, it was stressful, man. I'm not going to lie. Like the first night, um, that I did the article on my own was Friday's pump track. And I was up until I think like three in the morning, Damn. um, riding in the lobby, um, same hotel you guys were staying at with Kenda. Yeah, that's right. And and I was just out there writing in the in the lobby, man. Eating some cookies. Eat, <laughs> eating cookies, drinking coffee, bro. Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. Dude. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, I ended up uh, getting up like five hours later to go um, in Saturday for slalom coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so you started with a Nikon, you said. I started with a Nikon D three thousand. So I mean, obviously now you're shooting high quality stuff so you got to have professional equipment right yeah so, so what, I, what are you on now i transitioned over to canon um almost well shortly after the first uh fontana for um for when i was shooting for shimano um because i was just you could see the quality right away and then in my second year i moved to the 7d mark one and i started selling a lot of commercial content um, to companies. And I really feel like, um, I, you know, I wasn't doing anything different in terms of editing or composition. The way that I was shooting was still the same. It's just the clarity and the, the colors, um, right out of the camera were coming out better. So it's gotta be a big investment then to, uh, you know, to take your job seriously, because obviously you don't have just one camera, one body, 
you have several you have several lenses depending on what you're shooting you know right right yeah right now we our current setup just for geeks that feel like geeking out with me uh i think you're the only one but okay no i doubt <laughs> i doubt it man people actually <laughs> love this stuff i think but and if they don't know oh well here it goes so uh my wife melody shoots with the 5d mark three um and she typically uses a 70 to 200 2.8 l um zoom lens and then i'll shoot with a 1dx um with a 50 millimeter fixed 1.4 and a 17 to 40 wide angle f4 lens and um the only thing that's not l glass is the 50 um it's it's probably one of the best lenses that canon makes and it's cheap i think i got it for like under 300 bucks okay so now we're, get, we're talking about relationships uh and the teamwork so so you and your wife shoot together yeah we definitely shoot together she started doing that with me i'm gonna say two seasons ago i'm gonna okay. estimate like two seasons ago um we start started shooting for non-dot and um i was wanting to get multiple angles and non-dot was on a weekend and shout out to the Kearleys. Thanks for the support and the business. Um, they put on a really great series. It's only four races, but it's in Orange County, so it's local. You hit some of like the best spots in Oaks, Orange County. Aliso. Yeah. Whiting. Yep. Caspers. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so Melody came to sh- start shooting with me, and she just kind of developed her own eye. I've helped her out a lot in coaching her and showing her what can, you know makes consistency in our work. Um, and yeah, she's been shooting with me. So teamwork's pretty vital and she does, she shoots with me for CES too, um, which without her for CES, we wouldn't be able to accomplish the goal. And the goal for CES is racer photos, pro racer photos for everyone. And also unique content for articles Mm -hmm. and for purchase. So she shoots like last round China peak. She shot on stage three, everyone. She missed a handful of people because there were some technical issues and there was also some lighting changes that occurred that we didn't anticipate and it was very dusty. Um, yeah, it was. And and so she had to move. So unfortunately, we, we missed, I don't know, I think she said like 15 riders, but um, that's pretty n- untypical for us. Uh, that being said, you know, I think, yeah, the teamwork is vital and that's what we bring to the table, I think, versus other individuals because most guys that are doing photography in the industry they're by themselves are working solo yeah Yeah. exactly they're working solo and my wife just adds that extra dynamic of one extra angle Mm -hmm. you know which is awesome how do you guys get around the races you guys uh pedaling around what are you guys on hoverboards (laughs) hoverboards would be sick uh (laughs) even better would be jetpacks but um (laughs) no man um so we're on bikes and um like for instance last round um she was on her santa cruz nomad um shout out to those guys they make a great bike Mm -hmm. um thanks mike montner for all your help um and mike franzi at fullerton bikes for getting our our, her bike dialed in for the for the series last round um and and then i'm on a couple of different bikes just kind of depends on the terrain and what what's allowed but my primary working bike is a specialized levo that i got through rock and road shout out to rock and road um because they're also not only support me business wise but they've helped us out on multiple occasions for bikes and that sort of thing cool china peak wasn't a place i can use the levo so i borrowed a stump jumper 
What um, they said no no uh, pedal assist bikes or what was the rule? I wasn't uh, I wasn't one hundred percent sure that they would allow a forty eight pound bike up the lift. Um, so oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Rather than risking anything, I just yeah. decided to bring the Stumpy along. So I, I borrowed the Stump Jumper Twenty Nine. Man, it was mm-hmm. a great bike. And uh, yeah, shout out to Rock and Roll because they hooked that up for me. Um, it's it's got to be a, a blessing to have a, a pedal assist bike because I'm sure you're going from different stage, you know, and depending on the venue, you can be putting in like 15 miles in a day or something like that or more than that for sure like i look at uh the first round for ces this year was auburn and i was able to hit all four stages both days which there's no way i could have kept up with that pace wow um on a regular bike i did that on the levo and what, what, what were you at 100 percent or 50 percent where were you at um so i pretty much kept the bike at 50 percent, except for that long climb to stage three i think it was no, stage four. Okay. There was yeah. a really long climb to stage four that yep. dropped down into stage one, and mm-hmm. that climb was gnarly, and I took the pavement, so I put that sucker in 100% and just pedaled my butt off. <laughs> it was still a really long climb and still a lot of work, <laughs> and I still broke a sweat. So You broke a sweat at 100%. I did, man. I did. It was I, a hot I, day. I, I rode your bike a little bit at the parking lot. We did a ride a while ago, and at 100%, dude, I mean, you feel it. You're like, I'm like, dude, yeah. this is going to take off, man. Yeah, it revs up for sure. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty powerful bike, and I think I think it definitely has a place. Um, you know, not only for dudes that are doing work like me that are trying to keep up with pros like Curtis Keen and Jared Graves and those guys at Sea Otter, but also like um, and also of course EWS stuff, but also like for dudes that have injuries and and uh, ladies that are you know they're men might be stronger riders than them and they feel like they don't want to get dropped and you know that allows them to connect um with other people and still be able to make the ride okay what about where the trail says no electric or gas or whatever like you know like oaks like there's some rules that you know you know and there's people that do it and there's people that are like totally against it like hey you know you want to ride oaks or whatever single track stuff you got to pedal your ass like everybody else yeah what are your thoughts on that since you're you have a pedal assist bike yeah so at oaks um i uh i have ridden there um with the with the assist bike um i did a photo shoot there uh with um under the permission of the parks and um one of the rangers came by and even found found me on the bike and didn't have anything to say he was actually pretty cool about it so it kind of makes me wonder like what exactly is it about the law that the way it's written is there is there an interpretation there mm-hmm. um you know i've done plenty of write logs with law enforcement because of my security background and they always say there's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law and, what does that mean um, basically the letter of the law would be like no matter what the script says that's what you stick to yeah and the spirit of the law is like well why is the dude speeding why is he riding an assist bike what, you know what's the purpose behind it uh-huh. and can i just let it slide Okay. And right. um, I've seen that happen in ride-alongs. I've I've personally done it when I was doing enforcement in the security side. So I think there's maybe there just must be some room for interpretation there. Little little wiggle room. Yeah, some wiggle room. It's kind of like uh, that five an hour barrier or whatever. Like if you're doing the freeway, like sixty, you can do like or sixty five, you can do like seventy. Yeah, I but think any, there's anything a over that. You're like, yeah, you're gonna get a ticket because you're going eighty or whatever. Yeah, my buddy in C- at CHP always tells me it's, there's a ten percent margin. Ten percent, okay, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so he's like ten percent. So you figure like if you're doing sixty five, you can do you know seventy three. 
That's it. That's 74, probably, you're going to get popped. 74, you're going to get popped. <laughs> <laughs> Bad yeah, man. Boys. So, but uh, I think, like, going forward, we're going to be, I'm going to be picking up another bike because I do recognize that there's a need for me to have a bike that's not pedal assist. Um, so, and I, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's going to be a pivot. Really? Like, yep. Talk with Daniel Lindbergh, the international sales manager there, and uh, chatted with him long conversation hmm. last night. And okay. He wasn't at all uh, disappointed in me riding the Levo. In fact, he totally respected the idea, and um, he said there's no conflict. He goes, one, one's going to bring you happiness, and the other one's going to help you do your job. And he goes, we're stoked that you're you're wanting to be happy on a pivot. So that's, that's I think, the direction we're going. Um, why pivot, though, again? So I, I really like um, DW Link has been a, a pivot system that I've liked um, for a long time. My very first uh, full custom, sus- full suspension bike was a Turner, a five spot that I got through the path um, a very long time ago. Um, and that, I still remember to this day how much I love the DW linkage and how well it works. Okay. Um, and Pivot has a couple of new bikes um, that have kind of been released recently. Um, one was the Firebird, which was um, kind of early 2000, um, which is a great bike, 170 full Fox and it comes in a sh- full Shimano build. And I mm-hmm. love supporting the people that support us. Yeah. So pivot has done business with us, um, with me directly. They've sold some or purchased some shots, um, and are looking to do more work with us in the future. And so awesome. That's one big reason. Um, another big reason is the, the DW link. Of course, I'm happy with it. Um, the 5.5, we're going to take, I'm going to take that for a spin. I'm going to borrow one from Pro Bike Supply tomorrow, and we're going to go out to Snow Summit. Cool. And and ride. And um, so, yeah, probably just be all, I'm sure by the time people um, hear this podcast when it's released, uh, I'll already be on a pivot by then. Now, it's just going to be you on a pivot, or is Melody going to switch her bike as well? Melody's super stoked on the Nomad, and I, I don't blame her. I'm not saying that any bike is a bad bike. We all, you know, we're all different people. We all ride differently. We all ride different terrain. We all mm-hmm. have different ways that um, we pedal, even down to your pedal stroke, even down to your body position. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that's what makes the world so great is that you do have variety and options. Well, the path motto is uh, love the bike you ride. Right. So you got to love the bike you ride. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, what you're on. As long as you're on a bike, you know, riding with your friends, having a good time, getting a little bit of exercise, a little sweat on. Puffing and puffing, but you're out enjoying nature, right? Yeah, totally agree with that. <laughs> totally agree with that. So yeah, we're lo- I'm looking to get something that's non non pedal assist so that I can go out and ride my buddies without catching a ration of crap about it. Good, good. <laughs> I'll start riding with you again. All right, sweet, <laughs> yeah. awesome. Uh, so who was the biggest client, um, biggest individual that you shot for professionally? So I think um, I would have to say. Uh, Mike Pence, the current vice president. I did a piece um, for the guys over at Mountain Bike Action um, called A Tale of Two Bike Parks, and it was about a bike park in Terre Haute, Indiana, and the new bike park that's coming out in San Jose. Um, Shout out to Justin Beck uh, at the city of San Jose. Um, They're going to be opening, last I heard from Justin, sometime in September of this year. Terre Haute was already open, the grand opening, Mike Pence showed up because he's all, he was also the governor of the state at the time, and it was one of their 
um, Centennial Projects. And so I showed up, uh, I flew in, um, and I showed up and, and Brian Lopes uh, was there with um, Hill Ride, which uh, shout out to Hill Ride, those guys are doing big things too. Um, just trying to bring bike parks to the to the world and we they're working on Orange County. Yeah, they're working on projects Bad. in Cali. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. We definitely uh, we definitely need bike parks in this area to get kids um, back in a positive direction. And mm-hmm. um, so working on that project, I showed up and they said, "Hey, by the way, Pence is here, and you're gonna have to deal with Secret Service." And I got nothing to hide, man. My background in security, I've kept you, a clean. Did you nose. get a cavity check? I didn't know no cavity checks, but I did get sniffed by a dog. Okay, and that was an interesting experience. And uh, like, don't move, don't look at the dog. Yeah, pr- pretty much like um, they had me open up my camera bag and step back from it, and then the dog smelled the bag, and then the dog came up to me and started sniffing me a little bit, and then just walked away. And I was like, I must be good, and like you're good. And then um, I was like, okay, so do I need like a press credential? I mean, I'm used to shooting at bike events where you wear a a placard on your around your neck like on a lanyard or you're wearing like a vest that says media or photo or something that identifies you and they're like oh no there will be no need for that because uh, we're just going to have an agent with you all the time and Ball. so i had an agent like with uh pro- i'm guessing probably a nine mil maybe a 45 underneath his coat you didn't ask me. him hey what are you packing yeah i no way <laughs> i wasn't asking any dumb questions <laughs> um but i did make kind of a stupid comment since we're on it um I asked him if uh, if he could have uh, Mike Pence go back and ride the straightaway again because I missed the shot. Oh. And uh, and they wah, looked wah, wah. they looked at me funny and I was like, uh, never mind, we can just carry on. Because <laughs> I missed the shot. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Did they go over all the heads or they like, oh, this guy? No, I think I think they were just yeah, I they didn't look amused. Secret Service dudes take their their job very seriously. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Especially nowadays. Well, they showed up with, like, six Suburbans full of Secret Service agents for one dude, right, and his wife. Um, and Mike Pence is, uh, he's a pretty rad guy. He's he's fun. Um, he got on a bike after after his so speech did, did and rode like around. Did you, like, shake his hand, like, hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing? You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's very approachable, and I think it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and I didn't get tackled at all by Secret Service, so that's more important to me. There you go. Yeah. So he's a mountain biker at heart, or was he just there for just for the pictures? I think he was there because it was his kind of his baby project, like his his thing, and it was it was huge. They have, it's three hundred acres, um, tons of single track. They have like uh, dirt jumps, a slalom. No, they no, have so awesome. Yeah, pump track for kids, pump track for adults. Um, there's there's even a lake jump, dude. I know there's a jump that goes into a lake. It's like a beautiful downhill. Mm-hmm. And this bums me out, dude, because we don't have that here. I mean, we had, we had the Orange Y. I never went there, but you know that's like mountain biking, BMX, like started here in SoCal, and we we don't got jack, dude. You know they they took that away. Another the lands for sales. Like, why can't we have that kind of stuff here? You know, like that's why we're struggling with kids on their damn phones, playing video games, doing other stuff instead of out there riding the bikes. Like, you know, Mike's a big advocate of getting kids on bikes. You know what I mean? Like, all the shop owners want kids on bikes because that's the future of mountain biking. Right. If you don't get kids on bikes, like, there goes your business. You know what I mean? Totally agree. Like, we, we need, like, the urban company, somebody to step up and go, hey, we want to donate some land just for the purpose of a bike park. Something for, you know, something for the biking community. Right. You know what well, I mean? Well, it like, sounds like we might get that at the Great Park, right? 
Maybe. I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I know mean, it was on the initiative. There's, there's a lot of talk, dude. You know, I but, agree. But why, why can't just, like, somebody go, hey, here's, like, 30 acres, build something cool for the kids, a bike park, something. You know what I mean? Like, right. You're talking about all the stuff that they're doing, like, in Indiana, in San Jose, but what about SoCal? You know? Like, yeah, we're you, kind of, like you said, the mecca of, of the bike. We're. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Yeah, now it's kind of transitioning. What 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 about that uh that Aptos whatever that mailbox whatever what is that oh post office post office yeah, yeah that, that got torn down right they did get torn down um and and shout out to the city though because they came back and built a new one there you go that's so, awesome at least I think so I might be wrong if I'm wrong then my bad <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they did we're not gonna edit this this is the way it's gonna go man right on <laughs> so um did you shoot for uh, Aaron Gwynn? Um, I have shot photos of Aaron Gwynn, certainly from Fontana. Yeah. Um, and so I guess like, okay, if you're asking the question, like, who's the biggest celebrity in the bike industry that I've shot, it was, it's probably Aaron, but, but, but I also have done a lot of work with Brian Lopes. Okay. Um, I've shot with him like on at least two or three occasions now Mm -hmm. and like, just because he's on the older side in terms of racers, like pro racers, doesn't mean he's not legit, dude. He's he can still pin it. I mean, the last two years he won the China Peak Enduro. I'm surprised he wasn't there this this year though. I was bummed. I hit him up and I was like, "Hey, are we going to see you?" And he was like, "Nope." And I was like, "Okay, I don't ask questions, man." Yeah, Brian's one of those dudes you just leave him alone. Uh, uh, Kevin Ayello was out there though racing. Yeah, that was pretty legit. It's cool to see Kevin back on a bike again. We um on the high tower. Yeah, we were. We were uh, we were there at Fontana. Melody shot the sequence of photos of him crashing when he uh, when he broke himself off. Man, it was gnarly. Is that when he was with uh, KHS? Yeah, he was with KHS on the time, and um, I think after that he had like at least one or maybe two surgeries and a pretty long time of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what exactly it was that he broke, but obviously it was something major. And then what? He got cut, or what happened after that? I don't know the details of what the team did, but yeah, he's no longer with KHS. Um, he so. told me he was with Hyper now. Oh, that's that might right. be true. I don't know if that's uh, true. But Eric Carter. Yeah, EC, dude. EC would be, that would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. So, um, going back to CES, uh, they've invested a lot of money into their new timing system. Um, were you a part of that? We were, yeah. Um, we decided... Uh, I talked to Steve and Megan at kind of the end of last year and asked them like, Hey, how are you guys doing on fundraising? And they showed me the numbers and I was like, ouch, you know, it's kind of rough. And we were, I think as a team, we were all just kind of like, we were kind of hoping and, and thinking that people would be more invested back into the sport. But, um, at the end of the day, you still got to make it happen for the racers. So, mm-hmm. As a company, called to Creation donated back 10% of their proceeds from CES back into the timing system. That's huge. You know, the, the timing is, is it makes or breaks you. You know what I mean? Like, we've raced other uh, Enduro races, not just, you know, not California, but, you know, when you're, like, sitting around, like, trying to figure out, all right, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Like, you want to have the timing accurate, and you want to have the timing, like, done so podiums get done and people can have a good time, drink beer, eat food. You know what I mean? They have a celebration, you know, so... Yeah, for sure. That's Timing's key, man. Yeah. Like, it really sets the mood because when people are all amped afterwards and then they're, like, anxious to see how they did and you can't produce those result- results for them quickly, they start getting anxious and 
frustrated and then that mood swings from being hyped and stoked to being bummed and angry Mm -hmm. and when that transition occurs you know photos look bad because people look angry it's hard to tell a good story because people are not happy yeah and so from a the value not only of like the work that Mm -hmm. we do as called to creation but also from the standpoint of a guy that used to race himself because i I raced a little bit too um you gonna get back out there yeah we just wanted to give we wanted to give to the riders, back to the riders. Am I going to get back out there? Yeah. No, nah, man, definitely not. My days are done. Oh, come on. Yeah. I can still ride. <laughs> um, I was actually, I forgot what event I was at recently, but um, there was, it was a pretty big event, and some of the bigger name photographers were there, um, and um, Dave Trumpour came flying past me with a full pack, and I was like, who in the world was that? And they're like, oh, that's Dave Trump. And I was like, whoa. Um, and so... It just realized, like, I just realized, like, wow, I'm not nearly as fast as I thought I was. and But that's okay, because I can still get my job done. Exactly. Um, are you on the board with California Dirt Series? Are you part of, like, the, their board? I know they have, like, a board there. To... They do have a board. Um, Melody and I are not on that board. Um, okay. We certainly have been to a couple of the meetings. Um, we certainly are a part of the planning process, but primarily just from the standpoint of, providing the services that we provide mm-hmm. and addressing people's concerns regarding photos and photo coverage. Okay. So um, so you've been shooting for CES for a while. Um, where do you see the series or the sport uh, kind of what, what direction you think it's going? It's going good? I mean, what do you think? I think, uh, I think CES is doing something different that most people, or I should say most other enduro organizations are not doing as well. And they really make it an experience it's not really a race it's definitely like uh it's a total package Mm -hmm. and they're every time we've sat down with them to talk and listen and it's always been about progressing that experience as a whole and you know of course that entails the race but they're also trying to focus more on you know camping and lifestyle and i I enjoy the camping part of it It's, it's totally fun so, um, I think that's great. What, what it looks like for the United States outside of CES, like what Enduro looks like in a bigger scale. Um, I think what EWS is bringing to both, you know, Colorado and to Crankworks Whistler is good for North America for mm-hmm. sure, but we need more. We, we need more everything, yeah. not just Enduro. We need the GRT series is struggling or what? In my opinion, I was fortunate enough to go and be on assignment for a pink bike at the GRT at Angel Fire. Angel Fire Resort is a ridiculously amazing resort in the middle of nowhere, but it's an amazing resort. And their hospitality, not only for myself, but for the riders and the participants that were at the race was above reproach you Mm -hmm. i didn't i've never seen that level of accommodation not only for myself which they did a really good job taking care of me and one other guy from media but also for the riders and they were trying to do everything they could to make it a great experience for them i don't even want to start on the usa c uci debate i don't even want to go political i you know i we just had uh scott scott tedrow on the show and 
the history behind what what he did for cycling. I mean, from what it was to what it is now. I mean, he's the reason that we have what we have now. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, I think there's a lot of room for improvement, especially on the gravity side. Um, the enduro side, you mean the enduro downhill side? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I really feel like the UCI needs to bring a World Cup to the United States. Mount St. Anne is great. I'm not personally intended yet. Um, it's on my schedule for 2018. Mm-hmm. I will be going. So that will give me a better perspective of what a North American World Cup looks like. Maybe there's not enough demand there. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that we are one of the largest contributing countries to the mountain bike industry in terms of dollars. Mm-hmm. But we are not rewarded by UCI for our, a major gravity event. I think that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Well, I think uh, uh, talking to Steve a while back, you know, they're trying to they're trying to make um, a North Star, maybe a EWS stop. You know, because there's a lot of mountain there, and you know they have a lot of uh, trails that can offer that would be challenging enough for riders like Richie Rude. Yeah. So and hopefully that'll I, that'll happen one of these days. That'd be rad. I would love to see a GRT at Angel Fire or, I'm sorry, not a GRT, a, a UCI World Cup at mm-hmm. Angel Fire. There's certainly enough elevation there. The run, the winning run was over four minutes long wow. from Bruce Klein. So they have certain criteria that they have to meet to, to make it a UCI type of a race? I'm not exactly sure how the rules work. Um, okay. But I know that in terms of capacity, um, I think there was more than enough room to bring in a World Cup. Mm-hmm. level event to that that resort but there's also other resorts i think that could hold it too um so i think it will just i don't know we'll have to see how it plays out yeah what where do you see called the creation in the next five years well five years is too long a plan for us um, so what's what's your i mean my, what's your, what's my your goal? goal is that is is basically uh to be at the world cup level by the end of 2018 and if i'm not there uh, we might have to reevaluate what we're doing wrong uh, World Cup for what kind of sp- uh, for downhill enduro? What are we talking about? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, all of the above. Yes, I'll all take of any of those. Okay, uh, okay. No, I think uh, primarily I, I really feel most comfortable doing um, gravity coverage. Mm-hmm. So enduro or uh, more so World Cup downhill. Um, but if that wasn't if that's not the direction I'm supposed to go, then it must be a different direction. And I'm just kind of. Um, uh, a friend of mine just told me the other day, um, if you, you know, as you get older, um, you just want your life to be more simple mm-hmm. and, um, you just kind of have to see what God has in store. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I mean, I would love to say that's my mentality, but it's really not because mm-hmm. my, my mind wanders way too much. <laughs> uh, creative minds are weird, man. Like we get sidetracked. It's like squirrel. Oh, so, so, so that explains you. You're kind of a weird guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of, dude. Come on. Let's keep it real. I'm very weird. We all know this. Um, oh, man. My clients would definitely agree. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, yeah, man, my goal is just uh, next year I want to go to at least two World Cup downhill events. A cup, uh, with pink bike or who even if I have to send myself. Okay. Even if I have to pay for it on my own. Um, you know, a prime example, last year I funded my own trip to Crankworks. Most people don't know that. Wow. Um, it was it took everything I had, but this year I'm going back and I have four companies on the roster. Awesome. So I think, you know, you have to, it's like anything, like you have to get your name out there mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't do it doing regional events. I'm not going to, no one in 
even on necessarily the East Coast, is going to find out who Scott McClain is. But they see you on Pink Bike. Well, they do, but um, I'm I'm more of a face-to-face guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if they see me in person, they can, you know, and I can spend time with them and explain to them why I'm, I'm going to be the guy that they want at their event. Yeah. Um, what's your relationship with other photographers at events? Are you guys, like, all cool, or are you guys, like... WWE like you know like body slamming <laughs> each other down. yeah <laughs> <laughs> dropping elbows yeah uh, well I used to be that way honestly because you know I still saw like those guys as my competition and those guys are taking money out of my pocket from sales um, and and the growth of my company um, and putting food on my table but now I've kind of switched gears this year and I just told myself in order if I help others succeed, I'll succeed myself. Mm-hmm. And so I got an opportunity earlier this year to work with um, Steve Shambeck uh, from PLS Photography, another local guy here in Orange County, um, on a, the hunker ride for Todd Brown and Pedal Industries. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a great job. I really feel like we worked well together. Um, and, you know, certainly the opportunities are always there to backfill. You know, if, hey, I got something going on and I'm not going to be able to do it by myself. Well, then who can I count on, you yeah. know, and making those relationships happen and just realize, you know, I think I used to think that the industry wasn't big enough, um, that, you know, my market share from a business standpoint was, um, was too limited mm-hmm. to allow those guys to incro- like encringe on my territory, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've just realized, no, dude, it's not about, because it doesn't need to be regional. It can be on the world level, mm-hmm. but you have to you have to get yourself there. It's not really about them. It's about your business and what are you doing to make it happen for yourself? What do you, you know, are you spending time in meditation and prayer to make it happen? Are Mm -hmm. you thinking about that? Are you visualizing it? I think, um, Bruce Klein told me, shout out to Bruce Klein. Bruce Klein told me something that was pretty powerful and the dude's just, he's a young guy, dude. And he said, Scott, if you can visualize it, it can happen. And I think like he takes that from the perspective of, I've seen him do it too before a race. He'll sit on his bike and he'll be pedaling and he'll have his eyes closed and you'll see his head moving and his arms swaying and he's literally visualizing himself coming down the race course smoothly, taking the lines that he wants to take. Mm-hmm. And there's that's really no different in my business, man. I can visualize where I want to be and if I say this is my goal, there's no one stopping me from that goal except for me. Yeah. Those are good words. Uh, where can people find your work? Um, all over the place, uh, hopefully, but, um, primarily my website is called to creation.com. Um, and you can follow us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is, uh, facebook.com slash called to creation. It's our fan page. And our Instagram account is at called to creation. Um, you can also follow my wife's Instagram account cause she likes to do things on her own sometimes too. Um, and she is at Mrs. CTC. It's MRS dot. CTC. Right on. So, uh, what's your takeaway? What's your last bit of advice for all the listeners out there? You know, man, I, I thought about this, um, cause you, you know, we kind of went over it before, but, um, I think, uh, at the end of the day, relationships are most important. And just, um, Mike Franz told me one thing once, uh, Franzi, he said, love people and the money will come. And I think, that's needs to be everyone's perspective in life. Mm-hmm. If 
if you can just um, love people and have relationships and friendships, um, you know, the, the money will eventually come back around. And that's a business take. And I think a personal take um, would be um, don't ever, well, try not to ruin relationships because you never know where they're going to lead. That's tough. That's really tough. Yeah. Cool. Really tough. Well, uh, Scott, thank you for coming to the show. This Thanks, is Big man. Lou and GFE Radio. You guys can uh, follow us on Instagram, NGFE underscore radio. Also on Facebook, NGFE Radio. And you guys are going to be listening to us on SoundCloud, so give us a like, give us a follow. All right, guys, thanks for the show. Big Lou out.